Hello, welcome to the Tech for Good podcast. We are very passionate about two things, technology and our world. In each pod, we will be interviewing some fascinating people, business leaders, but those with a special interest in solving the biggest issues facing humanity today. Think the environment, think healthcare provision during a pandemic, think global social injustice. If you want to know more about technology's immense potential to fix and transform, then you're in the right place. In this episode, I speak to Dr. Atanu Chowdhury. Atanu is a leading researcher in 3D printing technologies and has recently turned his focus to healthcare. As health systems worldwide come under huge strain, could 3D printing help alleviate the pressure? In the interview, Atanu runs through some of the applications for this technology in hospitals and gives his own thoughts on challenges and the future. But first, I ask Atanu about current adoption levels of 3D printing in healthcare. Yes, so the first uh, applications of 3D printing in healthcare was uh, primarily in dental. We are not going to talk too much about dental today, but uh, that's the most matured application of 3D printing in healthcare, which is uh, in dental and dental aligners. Uh, There are a lot of uh, already quite a wide adoption in in dental industry. If you look at purely surgical applications, uh, I can see that around more than 150 hospitals in US already have some form of 3D printing Either they outsource the service or they have in-house 3D printing labs, which are managed by service providers, or they're completely managing on their own. So that's that's quite a sizable number of hospitals, 150. Now, coming back to UK and Europe, uh, I see quite a bit of activities in Germany, in UK. Uh, In UK, in NHS, I'll come back to that. There are some, some pockets where this is happening. Obviously, this is a different healthcare system. So we cannot really do it in the way where it is done in US, but in UK, Germany, Austria, Switzerland, uh, there are hospitals who have been actively following this. Uh, similarly, in, also in Asia, in India, Singapore, China, there are quite a few hospitals, possibly less than uh, 10, but there are hospitals who are doing this. So we are still in the early stages, surely. Uh, but in the last five years, a lot of hospitals have adopted 3D printing for surgical applications. Okay, and I'm looking forward to hearing more about those applications from you. But first, I know you've been leading recently a research program around around the possibilities of 3D printing in, in healthcare. Can you give us a bit of an overview of that program? So I, I started uh, doing this when we had a small project. Uh, that time I was in Denmark and we had a project uh, with uh, our universities in Israel. So it was a Denmark-Israel uh, bilateral research program for one year where we met different surgeons, we had workshops, uh, we visited hospitals, and the objective was to mainly learn about the potential of this technology from the more operations side of thing. How does it improve efficiency? How does it really impact uh, people's lives, uh, both the clinical side as well as the hospital efficiency side? So we talked to a lot of people. Obviously, we are not medical experts, so it's important for us to understand that. So that's what we did. And based on that, I came out with a paper which talked about the outcomes and the benefits of this technology and how hospitals can invest. So there are multiple ways, as I told you, hospitals can invest in this technology. They can decide to outsource some of the service. They can 
decide to have in-house 3D printers, uh, which can be run by a, a service provider, or they can even train their own juniors, resident doctors, and try to manage that on a lower scale. So there are multiple options. So we talked about how hospitals can adopt that technology. Uh, now I am following sort of three strands based on what we learned from that project, and I'm trying to follow up and understand uh, this interaction between engineering designers, product designers, and surgeons, which I find is very fascinating. It, it's very difficult uh, even for doctors within for different specialties to interact with them or engineers of different specialties to interact with them. Uh, now we have engineers who have very little knowledge of the clinical side of things, interacting, working together with surgeons and developing some solution which is beneficial for the patients, right? So this is a fascinating form of interaction which happens. And so what is the impact of this interaction on both clinical efficiency and uh, on the and the hospital uh, related efficiency? So we, I'm trying to look at that. The next uh, strand of research is around business models of these service providers who are providing these 3D printed related services for healthcare. And uh, there are different types of models these companies are using. Uh, some are, I, I'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, so that's another strand. And the last one, I'm again trying to uh, work with my contacts in Israel again uh, for uh, developing a simulation model to see uh, how uh, we can estimate the impact of uh, use of 3D printing uh, in, in a particular specialty within a hospital, taking data from that and showing that. But because once we are able to demonstrate that for different types of surgery, surgeries uh, or uh, with different patient characteristics, then it's easier for hospitals to adopt. Right now, they, they don't have a lot of hard evidence. Uh, maybe some individual surgeons are trying and then it has given some good benefits. There's a lack of scientific study on really coming out and, and, uh, and quantifying some of the benefits. And that's, that's one of our objectives. So, so these are the three strands of research which I'm currently involved in. Okay, Atanu, it's really interesting and exciting work, I'm sure. What are the applications then, Atanu, of 3D printing technologies in a healthcare setting? And, and especially when it comes to kind of re reducing or its potential to reduce kind of strain on healthcare systems, because we know, especially right now, healthcare systems all around the world are under that kind of strain. How could 3D printing technology help? It's a very good question. So, as you know, any of the complex surgeries, uh, which can be some complex cardiological procedure or orthopedic procedure. Uh, it takes a lot of time. As you know, some of the complex surgeries requires uh, highly skilled uh, surgeons and, and the paramedic team to work on it. And it takes maybe six to eight hours to conduct such a surgery. And the reason why it takes such a time, such a time is a lot of uncertainty at, in the operating table. So when this team gathers together to conduct the surgery, they have limited information about the patient. Uh, they have done some planning, but what happens on the surgical table is very different many times. There are additional complexities which they have not envisaged, and that adds to the complexity and the time required. Now, if in any way we are able to reduce that time, that will help. And that's where exactly 3D printing comes in. Uh, if you are able to take uh, the scan of the CT scan and the MRI, and uh, merge those together and able to clearly pinpoint the affected area of the patient, be it's a tumor in the bone or, or some uh, 
problems in the heart of a child. Uh, and then uh, you can 3D print the anatomical model of that particular patient of that affected area. So it's very patient specific. I don't need to look at the CT and the MRI files and try to make sense of it uh, by looking at these two different files. I can combine them and then uh, using that, I can print it. Uh, and, and with that physical model in hand, the surgical team can actually pre-plan the surgery pretty much uh, exactly what the patient uh, will face during the surgery. So that is one of the biggest benefits uh, of 3D printing is, is in surgical pre-planning. With that, uh, they should be able to shave off at least half an hour to one hour time. That's not a lot, but still half an hour, 45 minutes to one hour if you do only the anatomical model. Next is we can, uh, surgical teams are also 3D printing the surgical guides and the instruments. So that means even those instruments are not standard instruments. I am deciding that I will do the surgery exactly in this orientation. I will use a surgical tool from this side of the patient's heart and so on. And accordingly, I design a customized uh, bespoke surgical tool and an instrument or jigs and fixtures. If I do that, I gain again further improvements, maybe another one or two hours being saved. Finally, if in some places, if I need to use an implant, say an implant in the leg, uh, there is a trauma patient, there's an accident, the bone needs to be, uh, I need to fit an implant in the arm of a patient, even that implant can be customized. And if I do that, again, there can be potentially a saving of time because I will be fitting exactly that implant and not something excess, I'll not cut excess bone. In, in a normal situation, sometimes the patient, the doctors have to take a little bit of margin of safety and maybe they will have to cut more bones. So all of these add up and uh, there will be saving in time in the operating theater, which in turn means that uh, I, am, I am saving time for, do, for doing more surgeries. So that's, well, that's one benefit. The next is uh, as these surgical uh, Im uh, implants as well as the surgical tools are customized, uh, there is a high probability in most cases it has been shown that there is a very little chance of post-surgical complications. In normally any such uh, complex surgeries, there will be a lot of post-surgical complications because these implants are not exactly fitting a particular patient. They have to come back for multiple times for checkup and seeing and maybe doing another uh, surgery and so on. All of these can be eliminated, which in turn means that the patient can get back to normal life pretty soon, almost within one week of doing a very complex surgery, which is uh, quite a significant benefit. And that means it again reduces the strain on the, in the healthcare system because the patient will not be coming back multiple times to address any post-surgical uh, complications. Hello, I'm Daniel Brigham, editor of Tech for Good magazine. I hope you're enjoying this podcast, and if you want more, you can head over to techforgood.net for some compelling and thought-provoking stories. From high-tech insect farms that could solve world hunger to a global mission to counter the spread of COVID-19 disinformation, we've got Tech for Good covered. You can read and subscribe at techforgood.net. Tani, you've laid out there a number of really compelling kind of examples and benefits, which kind of begs the question, why has adoption still not been wider? Because 
you know, we know 3D printing technology isn't a new technology by any means. It has been around for, for, for many years. Um, what do you think have been the biggest kind of hurdles, the biggest challenges in the past and what remain the biggest challenges right now to getting this technology into a wider adoption? Yes, I mean, as you can see, uh, the anatomical model, I will say, uh, is not very costly. So a lot of hospitals are moving ahead with this plan of using anatomical models. But when you start talking about uh, something which will go inside a patient, like an implant, or even using the surgical tools, which will be used for a specific surgery, uh, there is a cost associated with it, right? So, uh, and in a public healthcare system, as in uh, as in UK or in some other countries, we have to justify that cost still. When patient lives are important and in whatever we, we have a very strong clinical evidence and justification that we should do it, we will go ahead and do it. And that's exactly what is being done in NHS. I can see uh, in 100% of the, all the NHS trust hospitals, I don't think this will be adopted or for every type of surgery, right? But uh, I've seen applications in uh, cardiology or orthopedics or oncology or in neurosurgery. There are almost 16 specialties. But for a public healthcare system like in UK, uh, we have to have a very clear understanding which type of surgery is based on what kind of complexities will we go ahead? In other cases, the cost might be still prohibitive, right? Uh, we cannot offer this to everybody for every type of surgery. It will not make sense uh, at all. So I, that's why I see in UK, particularly those congenital pediatric cardiology cases, trauma cases where there is a very little chance of survival or uh, and uh, where there is no other option, then 3D printing should definitely be used and that's what's being used. Now, if you don't look at the public uh, healthcare system in different countries, which is not public, which is sort of paid by or insured, like in the US, then the hurdle, mean, hurdle remains in ensuring that uh, the reimbursement system is in place. If a hospital is doing this, that means the, the health insurance company sh should be able to reimburse that. And that, uh, that is still uh, under progress uh, and it, it's not 100%. So that remains a challenge. The next is obviously also the skills, right? We need uh, engineers who can design these things, who have a very good understanding of the design aspects, uh, as well as the clinical aspects, which is very difficult to get. I only found one person in one, one of the service providers who say that uh, in their team, they have ensured that 100% of the people have gone to an engineering school and they have also have experience of uh, spending some time in a medical school and doing some projects in a medical school. Uh, and they also understand the clinical aspects. That's not very easy. An engineer will not be a doctor and a doctor will not be an engineer. And here you need skills of both, particularly from the service provider's point of view. Now for surgeons, again, if they are completely dependent on these engineering companies and, and who are going to design or 3D print this, and they don't fully understand what are the limitations or what are the advantages, then that will also not going to work. So we need to train doctors, physicians, surgeons on at least some aspects of 3D printing, which is happening. There are some surgeons who are particularly the younger ones uh, are very interested in learning this. And in Israel, when we visited a hospital, uh, we saw that the, the interns, uh, the, the, the resident doctors, there are some of them are specializing in 3D printing. And they almost know everything which an engineer knows, knows, does. Uh, so that person who is actually a trained physician is spending one year of his uh, or her internship 
learning about 3D printing, learning how to do this design, learning to operate a 3D printer, everything, which is uh, quite rare. So but we need the uh, skills, engineers learning about clinical things and the physicians learning about the design skills. These are still some of, some of the bottlenecks, some of the challenges. But on the economic side, as I have talked about, it is about uh, the reimbursement. Is it about justifying the cost? And in some cases, it will be the cost will be prohibitive and whether we can go ahead with that will remain a question. That's why there is a need of a, a need of a very scientific study. And from the UK perspective, there is needs to be a plan or a position paper or a strategy on how we should proceed uh, with 3D printing, which kind of surgeries under what conditions we should do. In other cases, we may not do. But I don't see a major obstacle in using anatomical models. Uh, that's easy. That's not going to the patient. Uh, and so on, that should be pretty much easy to use. Having said that, the other thing is also about this regulation. Moment something is going inside a patient as an, as an implant, uh, that, that is a medical sort of a class three, uh, type three medical device. That means that has to be validated and there has to be a regulatory mechanism behind it to validate this. And that is still also a work in progress in most countries. Uh, so there are still some challenges, uh, some ways to move ahead. No, it's really interesting, Atano, and obviously you're very passionate about it. And I'm interested in your personal background, how you've how you've come to kind of be operating in this space. As you said, it's very much an engineering and a healthcare kind of worlds colliding. Tell us a bit more, a bit more about your background and how you've come to where you are today. Yes, so, so I'm a mechanical engineer by training. Obviously, when I graduated, I didn't know anything about 3D printing uh, more than 25 years ago. But when I started uh, reading about it, I was very fascinated about 3D printing. This seems to be an amazing technology, particularly for engineers, mechanical engineers or designers to learn. So I spent some time learning the basics of this technology and so on. But, but my background was in uh, manufacturing. So I worked always in manufacturing industry in automotive. I did consulting for manufacturing companies. And most of my 3D printing related research is still obviously in manufacturing uh, context. Uh, in industrial 3D printing, use of uh, 3D printing for spare parts and, and so on. Uh, but I, healthcare is also a secondary research stream for me. I've done some prior work uh, on healthcare efficiency, healthcare operations management. And I found that there are some gaps on use of digital technologies and particularly 3D printing in healthcare. That's why I got interested uh, and, I, and I applied for that project I, I mentioned to you and that's how it all started. But my background uh, is in engineering, and then I did my PhD in uh, operations management from India. I had many years of industrial experience, around nine years, and then um, almost uh, now uh, more than 11 years of academic experience in India, Denmark, and, and in UK. So I am an engineer by training, now in the business school, and I also have an adjunct position uh, in the engineering department in Denmark. So I, I'm always uh, sort of, uh, a multidisciplinary person you can think of. Uh, and uh, I, I don't claim to be any healthcare expert at all, but application of uh, engineering as well as operations management in healthcare is something which fascinates me. And that's why I'm still interested in this topic. Do you want to keep up to date with the latest in enterprise technology and digital transformation? Visit digitalbulletin.com for news, long reads, thought leadership, and so much more. That's digitalbulletin.com. You 
you said though that the challenges of kind of 3d printing adoption in healthcare they are big challenges you know you mentioned the cost you mentioned the skills i mean skills is a huge issue in technology we know but you know when it comes to healthcare it's kind of even more kind of critical isn't it do you do you believe that we will kind of eventually get to a point where 3d printing technologies are kind of widely adopted we will overcome these challenges and that there will be benefits for patients ultimately Sure, I mean, it, it is happening, as you say, already there are applications and some hospitals are adopting it, and it's only a matter of time that, uh, that in, uh, we will see a wider application, in, particularly wherever it's needed. I firmly believe that uh, technology, again, should not be uh, sort of forced on, uh, in certain cases because the doctors very well know that they have been doing these surgeries without 3D printing also, right? And uh, most of these surgeries would have still been successful. But there are some challenges, as I mentioned, uh, more time to do this surgery, uh, more time to recover for the patient. And in some cases, they will not have been able to do the surgery at all. So the first cases obviously are the ones where there was no other option. And if 3D printing is creating an additional flexibility, an opportunity to do the surgery and save lives, surely it will be adopted. For the other cases where there are options, I can still go ahead with a surgery in a conventional way and where I, uh, and uh, in 3D printing, these cost benefits have to be very specifically validated. And that's why I'm interested in such kind of studies to really show the benefits where it makes sense. And increasingly hospitals will adopt this. Many, many surgeons nowadays are very passionate about this, interested about this, and they will adopt it wherever they think it makes the most sense. Now, these are one type of stakeholders, like right? the surgeons are still very interested. Now, the next is obviously the hospital administrators and they, they will have to balance both the economic aspects and the clinical aspects uh, and uh, both in a public healthcare system as well as in a private system. Uh, in a private system in, in India where there are many different types of hospitals, I see even some hospitals investing in this technology and if the volume or the demand is not so high for their own hospital, they are even using it to serve other hospitals, right? They use it as, as a way to earn more money. So they invest in this technology. They have they created a facility inside the hospital. And if maybe 60% of that facility is used for internal cases and maybe 40% what remains, they will actually provide their service to other hospitals. And that is happening. I've already seen companies who talk to me about that wherever the demand is uh, not so high, uh, that these are relatively small hospitals, maybe a group of 10 hospitals together will have one 3D printing facility and that is happening. And that's, that's one way, even these hospitals in Israel, they are talking about, they are providing services to hospitals in Jordan or UAE and so on. Uh, because some of these things, the interesting thing is it can be done remotely. At least the design can be done remotely. It's always better to have local facilities uh, and it will surely happen over a period of time. Uh, and wherever it makes the most sense, it will be adopted. And we are already uh, on that path. Okay, brilliant stuff, Atanu. And on a final point, really, I'm sure as, as an, an engineering kind of scholar as you are, you're interested in the wider kind of industrial revolution that's being brought about by technology, not just 3D printing, but things like, you know, automation, robotics, artificial intelligence. Yeah. When you think of the power of those kind of technologies combining in a healthcare setting, the future mm -hmm. is surely only positive, isn't it, in terms of creating better healthcare systems yeah. and, and better yeah. outcomes? Yes, absolutely. There are multiple such applications uh, in healthcare 
AI applications for cancer, early cancer detection, which is a huge thing, right? So if you are able to understand the patient characteristics and create those artificial intelligence-based models to sort of predict uh, whether a person is uh, supposed to have a malignancy, a tumor or a cancer in some form, deaths will give a lot of time. In most cancer cases, we don't have a lot of time. By the time the detection is done, it's already in advanced stage and nothing can be done. If you are able to save a lot of lives using AI, why not? And there are a lot of companies now which have been doing. Again, it's an early stage of adoption, but surely that is an application. I even see applications of, uh, say, blockchain uh, for avoiding counterfeit. I mean, uh, counterfeit medicines and counterfeit medical devices are a reality in many parts of the world, particularly the developing world. Uh, and uh, if you are able to track and trace the flow of the medicine as well as the medical devices, there are blockchain applications in that. Uh, I see also applications of um, uh, in these kind of disadvantaged conditions where there is not much of basic healthcare uh, in some countries in Asia, including India. There are a lot of applications of telemedicine. I've also I also know a company which I've written a case about. Uh, they have they are going to the sort of the rural areas where there is very little basic healthcare, and they are uh, collecting data about the patients. Uh, even in this case, in COVID. If they're able to monitor the oxygen saturation level and then connect that uh, using medical using digital uh, technology and connect this to some doctors sitting in uh, remote lo in other locations and get some immediate help all of this will help so this company has been now been five six years uh, and in working in india i see some examples in africa so there are a lot of applications of uh, digital technologies in also uh, in, in situations where there is a limited public health infrastructure and there is a lot of uh, potential of digital technologies. That was the Tech for Good podcast. Listen, subscribe and rate us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Stitcher.